Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. Back after a three-week break, I'm Jake. And I'm John. Uh, so in that three weeks, this is uh, how long it takes for news to happen in this baseball offseason. Uh, frankly, we could have done a podcast last yeah, week. I should have. But more news happened this week, so probably best of Right. Exactly. We have a whole, uh, whole more week of news to talk about. Uh, and... <laughs> That includes, so from the last time we did one of these, uh, the Nationals have made a choice in the outfield. They have signed Kyle Schwarber to a one-year $10 million deal, technically actually a one-year $7 million deal with a $3 million buyout of a mutual option that will not be picked up. Uh, so it's a one-year $10 million deal. Why do teams sign mutual options? Has there ever been a mutual option that was accepted? No, it's a clever way of structuring contracts, which actually brings us to our next point. Uh, the market has started to move a little bit in both the relief market and the... Well, should we, uh, we should talk Schwarber first. Well, I'm, I'm just outlining sort of the, the oh. things that have happened. Okay. Uh, the Yankees have signed DJ LeMahieu uh, to a six-year $90 million deal. Uh, whereas everyone sort of thought he would get a four-year deal. Uh, he got an additional $10 million over what was sort of the expected price uh, and traded two years of control for that. Uh, and in the other news that has happened... Uh, the Mets. Some, well, yeah, that's right. Lindor got signed in between... When traded. Lindor got traded. Lindor and Cookie. The, yeah, okay. So we have lots to talk about. There's lots to talk about. And then the baseball season is supposed to start on time, according to Manfred. Yes. Uh, and there was some rumors about... It's Bob. He was wrong. Did you read the article that Bob wrote? I have never written, read an article that Bob Nightingale so has written. Night, Bob Nightingale said that it's going to happen, that there's going to be seven innings and for the doubleheader. And what was the other one that was said was going to happen from last year? Because uh, D.A.E. Anyway, the way he formed the tweet made it sound like it was a definite. If you read the article, they just want these things. That's I would the... never read an article that Bob Nightingale wrote. Anyway, he's awful. He's terrible. Yes. Not, not the world's shining model of journalism. No. Anyway, uh, so I think we'll start this with a conversation about Kyle Schwarber and Schwartz, where that leaves thumb. the Nats. He well, now is... the Nats have a thumb at left field. Less thummy than he used to be. That's true. He's no longer the Dan Vogelback model of uh, human body perfection. He's now thin, but still not great defensively, which is a thing we should talk about. It seems like the Nats want to make this 2019 again through magic and... uh, uh, Science or magic? Science or magic in the 2021 seasons. I mean, the two guys that have gotten this offseason, Bell and Schwarber, both had fantastic 2019 seasons. I mean, Bell hit 38 homers, Schwarber 37. But beyond their power numbers, their averages were good. Schwarber 250 hitter in 2019. Bell was uh, 268, if I off the top of my head. Um, so these they had great 2019 seasons. Then they regressed mightily in 2020. So it's, it's about whether Kevin Long – I think this all comes down to Kevin Long and what he can do to help these guys because Long has been known to be a guy who can fix swings – um, he's one of the most highly regarded uh, uh, hit, uh, hitting coaches in the league. I, I think 
one of the two of them will will bounce back a little bit. It's it's it's. I think I, I, Schwarber is an interesting move because we're paying ten million for him, so it's not like he's coming cheap. He's coming about you know what you'd expect him to get this year. Um, it's just interesting that they decided to make the move for Schwarber, going for power and bounce back candidate over a guy like Brantley, who I really wanted to get. Um, a guy who could provide you know good at bats, uh, you know not strike out a bunch. It's just interesting pairing Schwarber with Bell, two high stri- two who are very kind of similar hitters in terms of high power. You know, couldn't be can be high power guys, high strikeout guys. I don't know, and two bounce back candidates that you're 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 basing your offense around. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, the Nats did go for power mm-hmm. over sort of a consistent all fields hitter, which they have added you know, with. I think the Nats are – I don't think the Nats are counting on Josh Bell to be the player he was in the first half of 2019. I think if they they get sort of a holistic – you know, if, if Bell hits to his career averages, which are 269, 261, 349, 466, uh, sort of a slightly above – you know, it's, He's got a 1.16 career OPS plus, positionally adjusted. That is a slightly above average first baseman. Uh, so if he hits to those, I think they'll be happy. Obviously, they would love for him to show up and be that player he was in the first half of 2019. Uh, but if he's that and uh, and Schwarber is who Schwarber has been, which is a low batting average, high walk rate, high strikeout type guy, you know, high slugging guy, you know, with the, he's got a career 250 ISO isolated slugging. Uh, if, if those guys hit to their career averages, the Nats have added two above average bats with way above average power. Uh, and I think they're, they're sort of choosing power over, uh, over a different approach and, and sort of which is different than what they've done in the past i mean it's very different from the organization that we've done for the last decade yeah i mean it's, it's definitely different from what they tried in 2020 definitely. which was sort of a a grab bag of guys who had you know different offensive skills uh this time they're sort of going all in on adding power um and I think it's interesting. I don't know if it means anything. I wonder what this means. If I mean a guy like that who's not available would be expensive, and it doesn't sound like I would. I don't expect Milan to get him, but uh, Eugenio Suarez would be another one of those guys. You know, down year last year, high power numbers, high strikeout numbers. He'd fit you know exactly what the Nats' mo has been this offseason. There is a ton of power still out there if the Nats mm-hmm. are looking to add a third baseman. There's Suarez, there's Moustakis, there's Justin Turner. Uh, there are lots of options if the Nats are interested in going that route. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, dropping the question of, of what happens at third base for now, because uh, I think that is an open question. The interesting thing about the Schwarber move, beyond the fact that the, the Nats played for the middle of the outfield market instead of the sort of very upper echelon, I, I don't think anyone expected them to play for George Springer. No. Uh, but beyond that, 
is what this does to the outfield defense. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, the answer is it doesn't look good. Uh, the Nats are moving Juan Soto, who was already, you know, not – he's not the defender he was in 2018. He's not a – complete nothing out defensively, but he was not a plus defender. Uh, they're moving him from left field. He was not a plus defender in left field. They're moving him to right. Uh, they're moving, they're going to play Schwarber what looks like full time in left field. And they're sort of counting on Victor Robles to catch all the fly balls, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and Robles himself was not great defensively in 2020 after being an all-world defender in 2019. Yeah, I think I think he'll be fine defensively. I, I, I'm not terribly worried about Robles uh, in terms of his outfield defense. I think it's weird that he took such a large step back last year. But I think overall he'll prob- probably be fine in, uh, in center. But, yeah, the, the corners are going to be brutal, absolutely brutal. And this is probably only for one year. I mean, sh- unless Schwarber hits lights out. I don't know if he'll come back. We'll see. Um, but you know, maybe uh, it's, you can't really put Shorebert first now because you have an everyday first baseman. You can't really, um, I don't know. You're, you're stuck. You don't really have any options with Shorebert besides left field at this point. And so you, well, uh, depends on what happens with the DH. That's also true. If the Nats get a DH, I mean, they're set. <laughs> put Stevenson well, yeah. left. I mean, they're not because they don't have. They don't have an outfielder. Stevenson, uh, baby. It's yeah, the Andrew Stevenson uh, time. I, his time. I don't don't get the sense that Mike Rizzo is banking on like fifty at bats in September as being the sign of the Andrew Stevenson Renaissance. Uh huh. It's like the football team committing to Taylor Heineke. Yes, they should not do that. No, uh, that but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Rashcats doing football. Yeah, I watched a footballer too. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's – I, I think it brings up the larger question of what is the Nats' aim here. And I think that's a, a good segue into sort of our rest of the league roundup. Mostly uh, NL East. Just the NL East roundup. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mets have added Francisco Lindor, who is – probably the best player that will be added to a different – go to a different team this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question. Would you take Corey – who would you take? You know, salaries, whatever. Corey Seager or Francisco Lindor? Who do you think is better? Lindor. Lindor. That's what I was saying. I had an argument with a coworker the other day who said Seager. No. I'm taking Lindor. Lindor is – I mean, yeah, contracts aside. Yeah. Uh, Seeger has been up and down. He was good in the short season last year. Lindor has been good his entire career. Yeah, he's, not, uh, he's never struggled. He's a better defender. Yeah, he's a better defender. He's a better hitter. He's, he's a better player. That's he's a better player. Close. Yeah, I didn't think it was. Uh, yeah, but Lindor is the best player who's going to be acquired by anyone this year. Uh, the Mets got Lindor. They also got Carlos Carrasco, who has had a down couple of years, uh, mm-hmm. has struggled with his health, but is still mm-hmm. an extremely talented pitcher. Uh, and in exchange for that, they gave up a second-round pick 
from last year and two halves of one whole shortstop, shortstop prospect. So uh-huh. basically nothing. What? Yeah, yeah they I'm gave afraid. up Andre Jimenez yeah, yeah. and Ahmed Rosario. Rosario. Yeah, two halves right. of a shortstop. Right, exactly. Yeah. You've got the offense, you've got the defense, uh, just not in the same body. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, obviously a troubling sign that that is all that you get for Francisco Lindor. Uh, I would imagine that the Mets are planning on extending him. I don't mm-hmm. think that Lindor will ever wear another jersey other than a the, Mets one. The Mets one. Uh, the um, Black Mets jersey I that they're bringing back this year. Yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. He could wear that Black Mets jersey. If they bring back the, uh, the Mercury Mets one from the turn ahead the clock day promotion he could wear that yeah yeah, he will probably be a met for life be a met for the rest well for the rest of his useful career um so the mets have done that they have uh suggested that they're still interested in adding even after that yeah Uh, i don't think there was some no there was some they're still tied to george springer Obviously, it's sort of between them and the Blue Jays. Uh, they're still in the reliever market. There was a, a false tweet yesterday that they had signed Brad Hand. They haven't, but they're definitely interested in him. Uh, so the, the Mets are adding. The Braves are the incumbents. Uh, and they added Charlie they Morton. They have made – right. They have made a, a big move in adding Charlie Morton, shoring up their pitching staff. Uh they the the Phillies the, seem the, to be interested in the Braves as of now though still have lost a big part of their offense in Azuna. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're resigning him, although they might. That's true. Uh, the Braves have taken then sort of a step back, but they're still the incumbents and they're still tremendously talented. And it seems like the plan for them is to play Austin Riley at third and go find an outfielder. It could mm-hmm. be Brentley. Uh, it's not going to be probably not going to be Ozuna, but they're still in the market for an outfielder. Obviously, it depends on how aggressive Liberty Media is willing to be with the payroll. Uh, but it doesn't seem like they're planning on some massive salary reduction. Uh, mm. Then you've got the Phillies who signed Dave Dombrowski. You don't do that unless you're planning on spending money. Uh, they seem to still be the favorites to re-sign JT Realmuto. Uh, seems like they've offered him five years, slightly over $100 million. He's worth more than that. He should get more than that. Obviously, I get the trepidation because he's a 30-year-old catcher and also, you know, all the, the other pandemic-related stuff. But, like, he's the best catcher in baseball. Then uh, the Marlins still seem to be interested in possibly competing they there's a rumor out there that they were looking at trading for Wilson Contreras. That's something uh, attendee too, but that's not happening. No, uh, yeah, that was briefly out there, but the Contreras thing is very depressing because his salary is only like six and a half million dollars, and the Cubs are still desperately trying to offload it uh, yeah. to a team. Apparently, the Marlins don't want to add that much salary either. Baseball's great right now. Anyway, things are, things are going really well for baseball. Well, for the NL East, like every team in the NL East is trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Which is and nice. The 
Nats are in a rough place. It's just no, an interesting it's, it's place. It's better than better than the NL Central. I'm, where every team's getting worse. I'm happy. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think the way the Nats are set up right now, you know, they they they're still heavily reliant on Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. And if those guys pitch like they did in 2019, the team will still be good. But I don't know if they'll be the best team in the East, but they'll be competitive. Uh, mm-hmm. And they will certainly be a top division team. Uh, they're, they're one of the teams that's trying, which is, is good. I mean, I'd, I'd rather have a team be trying than a team be trying poverty and giving up. Uh, yeah. At the same time, you know, this team is flawed and there are a lot of ways that you could see, obviously the team's not fully constructed yet. We don't know if the Nats are going to go out and get another third baseman, uh, relegate Carter Keyboom to sort of a super utility role. We don't know if there's going to be DH in the NL. The Nats might still be in the market for another outfielder. Uh, we don't know what they're doing at fourth starter either. But the and, point is... Or they're signing another reliever. Like an Alex Collin. Yeah, I mean, they, they, will sign, they will sign another reliever. I just don't know how good that reliever is going to be. Do. Uh, could they? They could bring I think, I think they'll bring him back. Yeah. I think they'll bring him back. All depends on where his velocity is and how healthy he feels. Yep. But... Uh, the point of all this is that the Nats are shaping up to be a high variance team that will be competitive. Probably uh, is trying. They are trying. Uh, I but feel they're certainly not the favorites in their division. I think we're in a similar situation to where we were last year, kind of with how last year's offseason went, because it's a different strategy going into this offseason than it was last year. But last year, we needed a lot of boom situations to happen in order to be good. We needed, you know, Castro to hit. We needed, you know, one of Thames or Cabrera or one of those guys, Kendrick, to stay healthy and hit and keep producing like they had been. And it, it didn't happen. You know, we're, we're, we're high variance last year. We're high, we're, if not more high variance this year. So I think it's a very similar situation coming into the 2020 season, you know, minus half season, all the stupid bullshit that happened. But I, I feel like this year is going to be a very similar situation where coming into the season, the Nats could either you know be the best team in the NL East if things break their way or completely miss the playoffs like they did last year. And I think it, it, you don't have to squint to see either situation happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say – like there are, there are boom scenarios for – like even if the Nats hit their boom scenario uh, – like the Mets could still be a better team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they'd still be like a wild card team, playoff team. And the problem is, we still don't know what playoff. How many play- exactly? Right. Uh, so you know, if, if there are six or seven playoff teams in each league, I would feel confident saying the Nets will be at least in all in you know have a high likelihood of being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the truth be told is, uh, you know, last year even with all the things that went wrong for them offensively, that still would have been true if 
the Nats had gotten what they expected out of their pitching staff. And also, uh, I th- also if that team, if if it were more than sixty games, I felt still think that team rebounds and and. Well, I mean, makes, it, it depends. If it were more than sixty games, Strasburg would have come back at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to project out. That was just a a weird, weird season. Yeah, uh, which is why I don't really mind the fact that the Nats are sort of just throwing out the stats from Bell and Schwarber's 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they are, they're not cutting salary. I mean, they are relative to 2020, but they're not, in, like, they're not jettisoning, jettisoning players that they've signed, which yeah. I mean, listen, is nice. We're, the Nats are in one of the better situations in terms of baseball teams and the fact that they're still adding players. And they're still being competitive for 2020. After 2020, we'll see what happens when we lose Scherzer, you know, what we do next year. But at least this year, they're still – after 2021, I mean, and after the new CBA, who knows what things will look like next year. But it's, Who knows it's, if there's even going to be a season in 2022. Exactly. But at least this year, the team is still putting on a competitive team that you can still say could win the division, which is nice. It's much nicer than being like a Cubs fan or a Red Sox fan or, you know, any NL Central team fan. Yeah, it's just kind of having the opportunity to still watch good baseball. Which well, and they're, they're having a normal offseason. They are. Uh, I would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive on the third base front. Yeah. Because there are so many options out there. The problem with Suarez is that because he's, he's salary controlled, there are multiple teams in his market, and obviously he's great. And he's a very mm-hmm. good player. Uh, so the Nats would have to give up more in terms of prospects, and they really only have, like, two, two prospects worth a damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cavalli, who they're very high on, and Mason Denneberg, who they're also pretty high on. I thought on. Rutledge was one of the guys, too. But Jackson Rutledge, yeah. not, uh, not Denneberg. Yeah. Uh, I get them confused. Yeah, because they're both college right-handed pitchers who throw hard, who the Nats drafted in the first round. Uh, yeah, so yeah, you know, I'd like the seed ideally. If you had to predict, just based off your what you think, what you know, if you had to predict how the Nats do the rest of this offseason, what would you say happens? I would say they add another infielder who's not a star type, a, a Cesar Hernandez type uh, player. Tommy I would Stella. say Listella, Hernandez, someone of that sort of middle tier. The thing with the gang of guys like Listella is he's lefty. We already got Schwarber and then Soto. Yeah. And, uh, well, and Hernandez switches. Yeah. It switches useful. And he's a guy you can play all throughout the infield, which – is good because then you don't have to explicitly say that you're taking the starting job away from uh, Kibum. From uh, Kibum, but if you have to make that move a month into the season, you can. You, know, you can you can play him once every two days to start the season, and if he can't find a rhythm, you cut back his playing time. But if he is playing well, then you don't really have any problem. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say they do something like that. I'd say they add a older veteran fourth starter. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be John Lester. Ideally, I, I said this a couple of days ago. Uh, 
I would love a package deal with Wainwright and Molina. Uh, a, because I have a tendency to believe the hype about Yadier Molina. I think that we don't do a great job statistically measuring the things that he's capable of doing and the things he can bring to a pitching staff. Wainwright can give you length in a game and length in a rotation, which is that what the Nats desperately need. They need someone who can eat innings, especially if one of the big three goes down for an injury. Uh, so I, I think they'll add someone like that. I think obviously they have to add some sort of catcher. I don't know if it'll be a starter or a backup, but it won't be Real Muto, although I think they should be interested at the price that the Phillies are talking about. Yeah, Real Muto, Real Muto to me is a guy. Yeah, so Real Muto is, now you mentioned Real Muto. I don't think we're going to get Real Muto, but of any of the available free agents left who are like, you know, good free agents, I could see, he's the one I could see us getting. He's a guy who Riz has been talking about for years, the Nats making a move for, and since 2017, the Nats have won Real Muto. I think of any guy that that Rizzo could convince the learners to get, it is Real Muto, especially at a price range like 5 115 That it seems like is be the range that they're talking with the Phillies. And plus taking him away from the Phillies is an added benefit. I don't think it's going to happen, but he's of any of the guys I could still see the Nats getting. It's him. Um, I would say I'd agree with that. It's definitely more likely than, than Brantley, but I don't think oh, yeah. that makes it likely. Or like, you know, Brantley or like even Justin Turner, I, I think – I don't think we're getting Turner. But I, I see Rio Muto over Turner. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think third base – I mean, I, obviously, I don't know if they actually do anything at third base. That's my fear with this team is that they go with Kibum as a plan and then try to maybe make – with a plan of looking at what happens at the halfway point of the season at the deadline and seeing what they can do there. Um especially if no one acquires um, Bryant. I think he could be a target for the Nats because he'll be cheaper at the deadline for, for the Nats to get. Um, I, I kind of see that as their plan going forward. But yeah, I, I do see them making a move at the back end of the rotation. I, I, I feel like it's going to be Porcello. Um, he just seems like the type of guy the Nats are going to sign. Um, maybe if they want to get a little bit better on the rotation, maybe Odorizzi. Uh another guy the Nats have who've, who's been linked to the Nats, who I think is a good fit, you know, is more than just a veteran four starter. He's put up good seasons recently. Um, but that's kind of like the top tier talent that I could see the Nats getting a reliever uh, starter uh, reliever. Yeah. Probably another bullpen guy, like a column a, and then like, I don't know, backup catcher. So nothing, I, I don't see the Nats making another big move. Uh, outside of a real Muto. I, I don't see them trading for anyone. I, I, I kind of think where we are now is pretty much the team we're going to see in 2021. So I don't see the Nats making any big moves, any more big moves. I think they're big additions. I mean, the good thing is, the one thing is, is they added two pieces at a good price. They've added like $17 million in salary or $14 yeah. million in salary because of Schwarber's deal. Well, it depends on how they account for that. Yeah. But they've added two two big bats for the price of pretty much just one. Um, so I think two two power bats. I don't know if you would qualify them as big bats. Two power bats that deepen your lineup for the price of one. Right, but they're yeah. they're not you know they're not the upper echelon of uh, of bats. I mean, like 
there's a difference between power and I mean it the skill sets that they have average out to be, you know, like above average bats. Uh, they give you power. They don't give you, I mean, this team is going to be also brutal defensively and that, that adds into it. But uh, it's, you know, they've added two flawed, maybe above average players mm-hmm. for a reasonable price. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with this offseason. I think like we say that every time we finish recording. Yeah. We'll see what happens this offseason. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, that's all we can do. The offseason is moving us. It's starting to pick up now that it's January. Like everyone said it would in January, February, to start pick up before spring training. Um, but we're a month out from, from pitchers and catchers reporting, and we still have, like, 15, 14 or 15 of the top 20 free agents still unsigned. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Mayhew was the first of the top five to go. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, there there will be some movement in the infield market, and that's why I think you'll see the Nats take – I don't see them doing nothing in the infield, but I don't see them signing anyone who would be, like, the starter. Maybe like a Kike Hernandez. Right. That's what I'm talking about. It's Cesar Hernandez, a Kike Hernandez, the, the type of player – that you can plug in anywhere that could take over the starting third base job if everything you know goes badly. Uh, so I think they'll add another infielder. Uh, but yeah, I don't see them playing for any of the big names there. I don't see them making a trade either. Yep. Uh, what do you think they'll will they will they add a reliever? Yeah, I think I I, I see Colome as a guy the Nats get. Alex Colome. A guy, a, a, more of a top tier guy, even on this list. But I think that's the one place that I can see them spending a little bit more. I mean, right now we're going into the, the next season with our back end of the bullpen being Daniel Hudson and Will Harris, two guys who I don't exactly trust. Um, yeah, but they're also two guys who are making money. You know, yeah, fifteen. Well, it's it's really going to be rainy at, at the closer, and so right. It's it's. I, I see Colin May as a guy the Nats are going to go after. Um, I feel like he's been a name attached to the Nats before in, like, previous yeah. off-seasons. And so I think, you know, he just seems like a type of guy that the Nats are going to get. But, uh, yeah. got anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's it. I think we covered all of the baseball news. As always, we we're, still, we're still waiting on them to announce the rules for this season. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be fun. Maybe they'll do that soon, or maybe they'll just do that on the eve of opening day like they did last year. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that's it. That's it for us. All right, we'll be back whenever more Nats news happens with a new episode. All right, Coolio. All right, talk to you then, fans. Bye-bye.